0: Welcome everyone, good to see all of you guys here. Now, it's become the saga of who controls the ones and twos, you know what I mean? Because it seems to like, just be changing.
1: It does change, but ladies and gentlemen, today we have thing one and thing Thing two on the ones and and twos.
0: On the the ones and twos. Now, Janos was so good at this. (laughs) That he immediately, you know, he didn't want us to share this, but it's true. Giannis was so good at this that one of the most famous podcasts yeah, in the world job. gave him a call and said, we're going to fly he you he out to New York. He left us. It's This American Life. I didn't want to say it, but that's who it he is. He left us. Uh, so,
1: like a dog returning to his vomit.
0: <laughs> wait. So are the days of <laughs> is our that lives. that me? I w- oh, oh, oh I, they're the vomit. Okay. Yes. I, okay. I Got thought it. I thought you were Got setting it. up a metaphor in which we were the vomit because I assumed you were calling them dogs. No. But you were no, no, you're no. always one step ahead, even with your insults. It's true. Raj, Augustina, good to see you guys. We Robbie.
1: Had to, we had to go back to uh Stan and Kevin. How are you guys feeling today? Good. Good, Burr. Yeah, I'm good. I'm good because you didn't find certain things. I don't even know Bad, what that means. Bag oh. of peppas. Oh, yeah, we don't want to admit that we can't find the bag of peppers
0: yeah. right now. We, it's here somewhere.
1: We have the spicy from Obsessive Gardener, the bag of peppers. Uh, wait a second. What if Kevin actually knew and he hid them? This is... The, the plan was to... Did you to, check his refrigerator? I did check his... I actually went over there and checked it.
0: Did you check the drawers on Kevin's workstation that he's standing at right now? I, I, have, Actually so look I like to those. think of
1: this as a fired
0: station. So the goal here is to have Kevin perform Kevin's Hot Minute. I'm renaming it every time I say it. Okay, now but I like it, it. But it involves Kevin eating a spicy pepper and then explaining a theological concept in 60 seconds from yes. when he stops chewing. Um, that was supposed to happen tonight, but The bag was here, and it's gone. <laughs> you want me to go to the store?
1: No, but you would. No, because these were, these were special obsessive gardener ones. They're here.
0: Yeah, they're here somewhere. And
1: they're... It's just I don't know what happened to him. It's just like oh, coincidentally, they just got raptured right before Kevin's tribulation.
0: <laughs> I like the idea that the rapture happened, and the only thing that went was yeah, the obsessive gardener's peppers. The raptured pep. The raptured peppers. That actually Kevin's
1: hour of tr- trial and tribulation. Plus, obsessive
0: gardener is post millennial, so for his peppers to get raptured would be a good little joke God yeah, could play it'd on. Be unusual when the rapture does happen.
1: Okay, I'm a little upset, but we're, okay. We're
0: going to do that idea because it's a good idea. Kevin's hot minute is happening next week. We will either find those peppers or uh, we'll acquire others. We'll find them and we'll do it after
1: and we'll just record it and post it. Oh, that's not a bad idea. They're, they're here. They're here. And Kevin knows where they're at. Yeah, he does. He
0: colluded with Drew Dowler. That's my, that's my personal theory. I, I would have Okay. okay first him. of all, do, Dowler would not help me. That's true. Actually, so let's be clear. <laughs> that's, my theory is full of holes already. I,
1: don't, I He would help you. No, they would help you because he knows that the second after you did it, the peer pressure would turn to him just to sabotage it from the beginning.
0: Yeah, that's true. So you're saying he would help Kevin because it would ultimately be self-serving too. Yeah. Okay.
1: Gospel contradictions.
0: Let's jump in. Tonight we're talking about are the gospels full of contradictions and are there so many variations between the different manuscripts of the New Testament that to make it like a completely untrustworthy document. And um, just to kind of recap, this is the fifth week of gospel stuff. So we've covered some manuscript stuff, especially last week, that will be kind of helpful for some of what we're going to talk about tonight. So go back and watch that if you haven't already. Um, but yeah, Kevin, why don't you pull up that first meme? This will get us This will get us kicked off. By the way, Isaac and I have been noticing that the memes generated by like people hostile to Christianity are just bad memes.
1: There's not a lot of good... Not a lot of good ones. They're not
0: super funny, but still. No, not that one. I'm sorry. The intro meme is what I meant, Kev. My bad. Yeah. Yep, you're bad. Oh, look, you got a like, even for that. So this is um, kind of just making fun of the trustworthiness of the Bible in general. If you can't read it, it says, it's a picture of an old tattered Bible, and it says, the earliest known version of the New Testament is a copy from a copy originally written in Greek at least 80 years after Jesus' presumed death hashtag seems legit. Now the funniest thing, I mean, there's so many things about this meme that are frankly, what's the, what's your adjective of choice for this meme? Dumb. Dumb is the word I was going to use too. (laughs) It's just dumb. It's, it's, it says a bunch of stuff that is not only not a bad thing, but more as we saw last week, more impressive than pretty much any other ancient, like the fact that it's written in Greek is neither good or bad. It's just, that's, that's just the language they wrote it in. Yeah. And then when it says 80 years after, it's like 80 years is amazingly close yeah. and, to, the, and to the source. We
1: definitely early, there was a large chunk, if not all of the New Testament was written yeah before eighty years of the after the death of Jesus totally
0: and so so the main thing that I wanted to bring out of that are not those two things we just made fun of, but the fact that it has this comment and this is a common kind of thing that's leveled against the bible yeah. accusation is that it's a copy of a copy of a copy, and so how can you then trust it because the truth is like we we do not have the original copies of the bible yeah don't they don't exist anymore almost certainly I
1: just thought of a little analogy to yeah. how it's done
0: okay, give it to me, okay
1: um someone will say man this guy's horrible at baseball he's this guy's in the pros and he's only batting 450 <laughs> now d- you're not good at the sports ball
0: no i'm not good at sports so, ball. so i do love uh, it when athletes win okay. at the games that they play
1: yeah so because i actually <laughs> remember being a little kid and someone telling me it was like barry bonds is batting three something and i go well, what does that means like he only he gets on base three point two times out of and i'm like Dude, that guy is trash type of thing in my little kid brain, yeah. but in reality, if you know the game, you realize how good that is. Yeah. Now back to the point. You must
0: get touchdown after touchdown. Yeah, now. just like
1: <laughs> bam, three pointer. Um, <laughs> but the 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 idea there would be like it's it's even better than eighty years. But let's just say that would be yeah. like, no, if you know the game of history, that's actually pretty good. So it just shows you that you're completely divorced. Yeah. From the historical arguments.
0: And that's a point we'll probably make multiple times tonight is that a lot of these things that are either memes or just kind of like little one or two sentence kind of hater comments from skeptics Mm. that get shared around the internet, the vast majority of them are truly just, if you actually check into what they're saying, they're either wrong in what they're saying or they're misrepresenting something. Mm. Or in this case... Everything it said is true, and none of it's a problem. Because we'll be honest, if there's like a good one,
1: yeah, like oh man, this is good. This gets this is a really good attack. We'll throw it on there. Just a lot of these have been like, eh,
0: yeah. This is. This. I love the formality of Robert Trout's arrival. Hello, hello, Robert. Good to see you. Um so yeah so the we're going to start by talking about not contradictions I'll, we'll get there and we'll probably spend the majority of our time there but just to comment first on something slightly different which is textual variations and so um we talked last week about how there's all these different manuscripts and this is also the reason why we don't have the original autographs like the original whatever was written first um the main reason for that is probably that it w- they were copied so much and so aggressively that they're just getting handled and used over and over again Um, And as Dan Wallace, really amazing Bible scholar, talks about the the fact is they were more focused on number of copies and getting them out than Mm -hmm. they were about like the care with which they're handling Mm -hmm. them. So we have all of these different manuscripts. We talked about that last week. And one of the negative side effects of the sheer number of manuscripts is it creates a massive number of variations. Mm -hmm. And variations just mean. We've got two manuscripts that are supposed to be the exact same section of the exact same book of the Bible, and there are differences between the two of them. And when you look just at the raw numbers of these, without any other information, it's, it, can be, it can freak you out as a Christian the first yeah. time. Because we're talking about 400,000-plus manuscript variations.
1: 400,000 Four. manuscript variations. Clearly, we can't know anything.
0: No. How could you? There's more. This is what Bart Ehrman likes to say. Bible scholar who's a skeptic and critic of Christianity. He likes to say, and this is true, it's more than true. It's like an under-exaggeration. There are more variations than there are words in the New Testament. So we were talking about just, I mean, there's there are so many differences. How can you possibly know what's really there? And so if that's all you hear, then like you could get totally thrown for a loop and you could be like, well, man, how can we even trust that what we have is anything close to the original if the manuscripts between the original and my translation have hundreds of thousands of, of errors? Now, I'll be really brief here and ju- because I want to spend more of our time on contradictions, but the short version is, first of all, the, again, just to make sure we understand this, the reason we have so many variations is because we have so many manuscripts. You don't have a million variations yeah, in Plato. Say,
1: oh, we only have seven variations in this document. It's like, well, you got two copies, you have two man. You two copies, yeah,
0: exactly, exactly. So part that's a big part of it. And, and again, remember, they're handwritten. They're being hand copied for 1,500 years. I mean, we don't have a printing press until 1,500 years into the process yeah. of doing this. So, um, and, and here's the most comforting thing. This is kind of the main thing to remember if you're just going to remember one thing about those manuscript variations. The vast majority of them, and by vast majority, I mean 99.8% literally, that's the number that scholars give, don't affect anything at all. Meaning they don't just not affect doctrine, they don't even affect the meaning of the sentence. Most of the, uh, the manuscript variations are so minute in terms of the difference in Greek that you couldn't even translate them differently in English. You know what I mean? So like one example, there's just this random rule that's changing in Greek during the times that the Bible's being um, copied over and over again. That has to do with whether you put a certain letter on the end of certain words or not. The movable new is what it's called. Just do you put the Greek letter N on the end of some words? And it was really, I think it was just there to like prevent there being two vowels in a row or something.
1: Because you wanted the, from syllable to syllable to be more fluid in the pronunciation of a word. So if there was going to be two syllables right next up against each other that wouldn't flow well, would, okay, let's. Put this little thing in here that fixes it.
0: Yeah, so that that's called the movable new, and that's over half of the variations are just that. And then tons of other ones are things like different ways of spelling names. So there's different ways of spelling names like Mary or John, yeah. these popular names.
1: And the biggest thing to note is that, because people act like it's some conspiracy theory, like Christians aren't telling you the truth. And wherever there's any type of manuscript difference where there's an issue, where it might be, as you said, majority of the time it doesn't affect doctrine or anything, but let's say it's the difference between this word and this word and they have similar meanings or something like that. Your Bible has a footnote in it letting you know, not all Bible, not all Bibles because some are just the plain text, right. but if you have like a study Bible, it'll let you know. It'll have like a little a footnote and it'll say, some manuscripts say this. Yeah. Um, so it, it's, it's not like a hidden conspiracy. It's no. a, everyone knows it. We've known about it from the beginning.
0: And it's, and so it's, it's really not, it's honestly just not that big of a deal. And in fact, because we have so many manuscripts, we have a really good way of kind of reconstructing what the most likely case for the original. And so um, not only that, and then we'll let, I'll let Dan Wallace speak for us, but but this is the, again, the thing to remember is that 99.8% don't affect meaning whatsoever. And even that last fraction of a percent doesn't affect any major doctrine. I mean, there's nothing that makes a difference in what Christians believe. And it'll
1: be footnoted in your study Bible.
0: Right. So let's um let's just let Dan Wallace sum this up. Dan Wallace is a uh, Bible scholar, Greek genius, and uh, yeah, obsessive gardener. Wow. Welcome. Hey, uh, can you scroll up a little bit on that, Kevin, just so I can read the, the rest of that? Awesome. Thanks, Robbie. Yeah, var- variations are different than contradictions. Um, and so we're, we'll get into the contradictions starting next. All right. Here is Dan Wallace summarizing the variations piece so we can move on. But you have to not just look at the number of variants. You have to look at the nature of these variants. And the best estimates are that at least, at least 99.8% of them affect nothing. Most are spelling differences. There's different ways to spell John. There's different ways to spell Mary. Uh, that uh, they're not going to affect anything, uh, but the, the one-fifth of 1% that do affect things are the ones that scholars talk about and disagree over on a number of these issues. But the bottom line is it does not matter in some respects which New Testament you use because no essential doctrine is jeopardized by any of these textual variants. Even Bert Ehrman, who wrote Misquoting Jesus, can say the same thing. So that's... That's probably solid right there. So yeah, you get, you get the, the idea that he's getting across. There's basically the same thing that we were saying, just that no biblical doctrine gets brought into question by this. Most of them don't affect meaning at all. And no one's trying to hide them from you. If there's one in the passage you're reading and you're paying attention to footnotes, you'll have it there. Yep. So those are variants and those are not the same thing as contradictions, but we wanted to mention those up front what we want to spend the majority of our time on is the kind of supposed contradictions. And what a contradiction is, is when, or would be, I should say, is when one gospel author says a story in one way or a teaching of Jesus in one way, and another gospel author then goes on to contradict that. And we'll talk a little bit more about kind of how it's important to understand like to be that specific about what a contradiction is. Mm-hmm. But before we get into that, I think before we look at examples, we will to spend a lot of our time like looking at specific examples, but um, I want to talk a little bit with you, Isaac, about the what we should be expecting from the Gospels as far as like levels of precision in yeah. storytelling. Because one of the biggest problems we get into and one of the biggest misunderstandings, I think, among both Christians and those who are kind of skeptical of Christianity or trying to point out contradictions mm-hmm. in the Gospel is we take a modern 2021 western persons understanding of what they think a historical book should be doing and we apply that standard to these ancient documents that are coming from a different time and a different culture mm-hmm. and um so what, what's the deal with that i mean that we're not talking about transcripts here or video recordings right
1: yeah i mean just just think about what resources were available for people there's no printing press there's no as you said recorders uh you don't have t- you can't go to the store and buy 10,000 pieces of paper or something like that and so um that alone change the medium changes a little bit how you're going to craft craft things also how biographies were done 2000 years right. ago is different than modern biographies additionally we um our our culture because of things like the printing press and and technology we have a sort of affinity with exactness right and precision. And so we, when we expect someone to, when we, when we hear the news quote somebody, we expect them to, to quote, like quote them literally word for word, what they say, because let's go look, go, go Google the video and you can get it, make a transcript. Yeah, you of could go double
0: check exactly what it, you said quote, and that's worth a sidebar for a second yeah. the, the idea of quoting in the way that we do it is much more recent than I think most people realize. I mean, the, the idea of a quotation mark is a relatively in the eyes of history recent phenomenon. I mean, we think of it as just, you know, Hey, the minute something goes in quotation marks, that's when, you know, we're saying like exactly what they said. Mm -hmm. So I could say he said something like, or I can put it in quotes. And if it's in quotes, it has to be exact the quotation mark as it is today. Didn't even exist until the 16th century. Mm -hmm. So you're talking about around the same time as the printing press. And because of the printing press, to some extent, we have this formalized way of saying we're quoting something. And even like early kind of proto, this is sort of like a quotation mark. Yeah. You don't even see those until the 6th or 7th century. So hundreds of years yeah, after the, the writing of The Greek of New documents. Testament
1: didn't have punctuation or as originally written. So there's no official quotation mark there.
0: But the concept uh, that comes with it, right? The idea that we now have a way of blocking off something that has to be exact. Yeah, That's a concept that's completely alien to the authors Yeah, of and the he-
1: here's another one. Here's something for the chat. Um, try to think of places in the Bible where you have more than two people all discussing and going back and forth with each other. So a time where you see, for instance, um, Jesus talking with Peter and then John interrupts Peter and then Andrew jumps in and then Jesus corrects Andrew Yeah. type of thing where there's multiple conversation partners. Just, I mean, think about all yeah. of scripture. This is going to be weird at first because you're going like, well, of course there's going to be tons of places.
0: Think see if you can it. see if you can throw any in. I mean, we can. I, while people are thinking, because the chat's a little behind. Yeah. One example you could immediately think of, like a good counterexample even is when Jesus is arguing with the Pharisees. The Pharisees, they all speak to Jesus with one voice every time. Yes. The scribes and the lawyers and the Pharisees yeah. all show up to test Jesus. And he's interacting with one voice. So one
1: group becomes one conversational partner. And even say like in the book of Job where you have multiple friends, there's like, then this guy stands up to speak and then Job responds. But you're not going to see, for the most part, you're not going to see tons of type of conversations where there's multiple conversational partners all interacting and bouncing ideas off of you. Because the convention more was that there's, Just boom, boom. And people, a group can get summed up into one person. This is why Peter is often, you know, uh, we'll say Peter is the spokesperson. Maybe. He probably was, but he's also literarily functioning as... He represents the disciples. Yeah. And so just things like that are conventions that... Um, or, to, or literary tools that are just completely foreign to us because we don't, we don't think like that.
0: Yeah, and, and that's helpful because we would immediately think of that in the modern world as somehow like dishonest or inaccurate. So you'd be like, well, who actually said it? I don't yeah. want a representative. Like, tell me who said which thing. Um, but again, you're imposing a modern expectation of precision that the authors were not trying to achieve. And so it's yeah. kind of like grading them by a standard that they weren't ever yeah. interested in. and it's in.
1: not that there's examples. I mean, someone might find some examples in the chat of uh, examples that are breaking them. Yeah, but Dina got one. Yeah, um, and but when you look at the big picture, you're going to see this sort of function for the most part in this manner. Um, and it's just the way they did things. Yeah. Uh, and people weren't concerned with with an exactness that we have. They were more concerned with communicating meaning. Right. Um, and that's important to note because sometimes even exactness can be misleading. We'll talk about that. Yeah, later. absolutely.
0: And so, so to summarize all that, it was a completely normal feature of historical writing. And, and specifically, the Gospels are this kind of like Jewish version of a Greco-Roman style biography. And in yeah. the conventions of the day, it's completely normal and acceptable to summarize things even to paraphrase things, to simplify long speeches, to get them down to the core meaning of what they are.
1: Yeah, that's that's a great example. It's like so and so gives a sermon, on in Acts, and the, ser- the sermon is literally like, ten verses. Yeah, you know that wasn't the only thing they said. Yeah, Paul, they, said, they gather the
0: whole Areopagus to talk to Paul, and they
1: all listen, and and, and he they're summarizing and they're compressing those ideas, and so, um, the text may say and thus concluded all the words that he had to say. Well, all the words that he had to say aren't listed, but that's not lying. It's not deceiving or anything. It's just the, how the literature is working.
0: And it would not have been considered to be dishonest or weird in any way. And you, you really put your, your finger on the main thing here. And this is, and that's that meaning is the key. Yeah. So we are very, in the modern world, our main thing is precision. So if somebody writes an article and you find out later that someone was misquoted, that's like the, the gotcha, you, you misquoted them. Whereas in the ancient world, and and in some ways, I think they're right about this. It, meaning was key. I mean, if you think about modern journalism, news, the way like politics are reported on, we can have exactness. That's right. But the meaning is intentionally we misrepresented. We see that all the
1: time. You could take direct quotes from people and still destroy their original meaning, their right. intent of what they wanted to say. You were actually undermining their intended communication. By quoting them selectively, word for word. Isn't
0: that funny? I mean, the ancient world could for real be like, you guys are actually the ones who are dishonest. Yeah. You might quote someone's exact words, but you put a spin on that quote to try to make it sound yeah. different. And for I them, summarized
1: the whole thing in two sentences and got you the main points. Yeah. And that's, that's basically what he was trying to say.
0: Yeah. And, and so you had a great example of this earlier that... Um, we, we understand how this works and we actually do it in conversation even though we don't expect it from something we're reading. Yeah. But like, let's say I decide I'm going to take you and Kevin out to lunch. Okay. And I go, you guys have been really good friends to me. Okay. I'm taking you to lunch. I'm in. We're going to McDonald's because I'm, I'm not going to take I'm you out. to a fancy lunch. You're out? Dang. We'll wait till you hear the next part. Then we're driving and I go, you know what? I love you guys so much. You can get whatever you want. It's on me. Get whatever you want. And then we arrive at McDonald's. Kevin looks at the menu and says, I want combinations one through 10, all of them. Now, is he allowed to do that? Well, technically, you said he could
1: get whatever he wants.
0: He can't, you said I could have whatever I want. But what would I say to Kevin if he tried to order hundreds of dollars? I would say, you know what I meant. You know what I meant. And if you know Sam... I mean, you know, like you got to order two
1: things off the dollar menu.
0: Three things, but yes. <laughs> I don't even know if there is a dollar menu on McDonald's. No, and now it's a value menu, and nothing's a dollar on there anymore. Taco Bell's the same way, man. I went, I went and got a couple bean burritos. Bean mm-hmm. burrito used to be like seventy cents.
1: Yeah, we've if, we're, we've now reached that age where <laughs> I'm where complaining you your, about Taco Bell prices. Yeah. yeah.
0: But you guys understand the concept, and this was Isaac's example earlier, and, and I think it's, it is really helpful, is, hey, if you tell a person, tell your kid, hey, at the ice cream shop, get whatever you want, they know what you mean. And what you mean is actually more important in that sense than what you say. Yeah. And so so if you're in an argument with your spouse or your friend, and you misspeak, or you say something, and it, can, it could be taken the wrong way, well, hold on a second, and you're going to... Mm-hmm. The natural response is going to be, well, you know what I meant, or that's not what I yeah. meant, and you and you clarify. So when you come to the Gospels, you have to
1: approach them knowing what they are, what they're trying to do, and how that type of literature would have functioned in that day. Yeah. You don't insert our, all of our modern techniques and ability to record. and I mean, We have robots that will make transcripts. There's, Google will listen to your voice and make a transcript of it. Right. So,
0: so some things that are pointed out as contradictions, and we'll see probably some examples of this as we go, are really just features of the literary form. So stories get compressed in a way that leaves a detail out that the other one leaves in and stuff yes. like that. So we'll see some of this as we go. Obsessive Gardener says, there ain't no dollar menu. Minimum wage is $15 an hour. Why would the prices go up? You're on the wrong show, Obsessive Gardener. Yeah. <laughs> Token had, Isaac started. Well, yeah. I, I, no, really quick. <laughs> I,
1: I bit my tongue. Because what I, what I wanted to say when I was like, we're now at that age where we're looking back and like, I remember in my day, man, oh, you get dang. a hamburger for 49 cents. And then I resisted the urge. But since Obsessive opened the door, I was going to say, you know, what's really sad is all the, the truly young bucks. They don't even have to wait till they're like, okay, we're, we're dads and it's been two decades That's since we true. were teenagers. And it's like, now you just be like, hey, remember two years ago, man, when, when, when uh, I could shop could, at McDonald's? When a when a loaf
0: of bread was only two fifty, it's like Yeah. That's no, that's that's true. That's brutal. That's shout a out a, show. in the chat, shout out your Robbie Lee, there's no Taco Bell in Canada? I don't know why that's surprising to me. Robbie, um, give me your best equivalent of Taco Bell. Everybody else, if you feel like it, go ahead and let us know. What's your order at Taco Bell? That's an important question. Nothing. You don't get you don't eat Taco Bell? No. We're seeking sponsors, man. Come on, you gotta pretend a little bit. Crunch. Crunchwrap Supreme is a good, that's a good order. Breakfast contract. That's not available at every Taco Bell, but I've heard it's great. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to stop talking about Taco Bell. All right. Now, before we move on to specific examples, it is time for our tweet of the week.
1: Oh, come on, man.
0: (laughs) Wait, (laughs) you were late
1: to the gaming. Those are bad tweet. Where's the good tweet?
0: The tweets are getting weirder and weirder. Do, Do you know what that is? That's a real bird
1: congratulations (laughs) yeah like dying
0: (laughs) you want to take a guess you're more of like a trees and lizards kind of guy type of bird it is yeah what do you think I'm going to say it's a great heron
1: let me hear it one more time (laughs) that I'm going to be very precise and correct (laughs) That and is a, That is a baby California condor.
0: You're false. Oh, what is it? It's, it's called a go away bird. That's it sounds like go away. It's a go away bird. I think it sounds like. I think it's a
1: California condor, and you misread. <laughs> you misread it because there's no way that's in like a go away bird. Yeah. No. No way. All right. California I'm going to start condor. showing pictures of these birds. Tweet
0: of the Tweet of week. The week. And, Next week, let's get that good tweet Let's get back. that good tweet going. This is from Derek Rishmani, whose name I probably butchered, but who I am happy to commend to you who tweet. He's a great Twitter presence. Yes. He's a solid theologian um, and also quite funny. And this tweet displays both of those things. So we'll read it and then Isaac can unpack it for us. He says, FYI, for your information, ignoring ecclesiology is like skipping leg day. Let me explain leg day and you can explain ecclesiology. Okay. <laughs> So leg day for the person who likes to go to the gym is the day that you do your squats and deadlifts and lunges and all of the kinds of lifts that, A, nobody likes to do, but B, are incredibly important for you. The most important. So it's like you have to do it, but it doesn't make you look buff. It's not fun. And so people are prone to skip leg day. It's like a, it's a, it's a
1: giant biceps and little tiny legs, bird, like legs, like that little bird, that legs, like the go away bird, the (laughs) go away bird, man. (laughs) It's a dumb sound, man.
0: It is. So when he says ignoring ecclesiology is like skipping leg day, what's he getting at?
1: Okay. So yeah, no one wants to do leg day, but it's what's best, best for it's like, you have to do it. So ecclesiology, um, especially if we're being fair, um, to our tradition in kind of Protestant theology, it's often neglected. Yeah. We're Protestant theology, man. You give us Christology, man. It's, we're going to be all about the Bible. Um, yeah, and in certain circles like eschatology it's all about the end times and stuff like that. Um, but ecclesiology is the theology of the church. Um and it doesn't it's not spicy. It doesn't come across like, oh, we're getting into the person and work of Jesus or the end times. However, uh who who and what the church is is of utmost importance. It's it's who we are as the people of God. What is our mission? What has God called us out of and into? Where are we going? Um and so the tweet is basically getting at, it's like, yo, I know it's not as spicy and interesting as the book of revelation, but you better, you better have your ecclesiology down. Yeah, you you ignore this to your peril. Do not ignore leg day. Do not ignore ecclesiology.
0: The- <laughs> <laughs>
1: you can ignore that tweet.
0: Yeah. I'm about to tell that tweet, that sound to go away. Yeah. The, and, and specifically to what we're talking about tonight, you have to know, and this is why ecclesiology is so important. You have to know you don't, study scripture in isolation. Yeah. We're an individualistic society already. We're an incredibly literate society. So we're used to all having our own Bibles and being able to read our own Bibles. You got to know the reading and interpretation of scripture has always been designed as a communal experience. The church does it together. I mean, not only together in the present, but with the, you know, with the collective benefits of 2000 years of the most brilliant Christians doing it before us. And so knowing your church history and knowing how important and significant the church is theologically as important as squats, it turns out. All right. That's our tweet of the week. Don't, tweet. don't do don't it again. Man, don't do it.
1: again. Look at him. He's fighting everything. <laughs> hey, fighting that's, him. I appreciate it. Oh no. The, now there's Stan. standing. think two's going for it. Stan's yeah. going for it
0: <laughs> be, before you can do it. Here's our first example. Now we're going to just start walking through and what we're going to do. We cannot possibly be comprehensive about like all of the proposed contradictions, that get put out there by skeptics. What we're more trying to do is look at a representative sample of them and we're taking them from memes and internet posts and the kind of thing that the the Christian is likely to encounter. Mm -hmm. Um, But if you have other ones that we don't cover tonight that you're super interested in, put them in the chat or put them in the comments. There's one already there that I'll make sure to go grab. Um, And on our Q and a week in two weeks, we can cover some of those probably as well. Um, So, all right. Meme number one, Kevin, if you could throw that up. This meme and the next one are both just examples of how some kind of memes and claims of contradiction are just straight up ignorant. And all you need to do to combat them or understand them is just check their work. So, this one says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Acts 2.21. That's from Peter's speech, from his sermon. It's a compressed sermon. It's a compressed sermon. The next quote is... Not everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Matthew 7, 21. Now. Contradiction. Contradiction. One says. Now. Okay. This is an important. (laughs) Contradiction. This is an important point because uh, we talked about this a little bit earlier, but just to, to remind everybody, a contradiction is not the same thing as a difference. Yes. So for something to be a contradiction, it has to be like what that meme said where, hey, you say something and then a different gospel says something that contradicts that. There can be things that are different from each other, Mm -hmm. even things that are in tension with each other. They don't contradict each other unless they are in direct contradiction. Um, So that one, man, that one looks like a real contradiction. What's the problem with it though? It
1: is. It's a real contradiction.
0: Christianity, it's all all fake.
1: Well, (laughs) what's interesting, this gets back to our meaning and exactness. Yes. So if you just judge the exactness of those things there might be an apparent contradiction, but you'd say, okay, what does the first one mean? All who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. The intended meaning is that those who genuinely trust in Jesus and call out upon his name that he might save them, they will be saved. The other one comes from Jesus saying, look, there's all kinds of fake people, fake people, be false prophets and do false miracles. Not everyone who uses my name is going to be saved.
0: Yeah. And to be clear, this is a failure on both the level of meaning and exactness because pull that meme up one more time, Kev. It's a double bad. It's double bad. The meaning and exactness is wrong. It says, Matthew seven twenty one says, not everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's not at all what the text says to their credit. It's not in quotes, but if you pull up my screen, this is what Matthew seven twenty one says. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my father who is in heaven. So, it's It does not say exactly what that meme said it says. And to your point, the meaning in context is very clear that, hey, there's a lot of people who will say that they believe in me, who might even use my name, yeah. but it's not it's not calling to me in faith. Yeah. So, so th- that one is an
1: easy example. Like no one, the average person isn't going, oh, the Bible's, but, but it's but it's a good illustration to show you how some of the some of the, some of these are so basic just like no read the full context and understand the intended meaning and some of these things disappear
0: but yeah. not all of them are that easy no number 2 is it, number 2 might even be easier in terms of what it actually says this might be hard to read it quotes on the bottom Matthew 10:35 and following that says and it's in the King James but it says i am come to set a man at variance against his father and the daughter against her mother and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law and a man's foe shall be they of his own household then at the top it says matthew 15:34 says for god commanded saying honor thy father and thy mother and he that curseth father or mother let him die the death so without even spending too much time even if that's what matthew 15:34 said
1: i think it's jesus is that jesus quoting the fifth commandment
0: that would make sense but it's not even that
1: <laughs> did you look it up
0: yeah go to matthew pull up my computer Matthew fifteen thirty four uh oh, we have in trouble with the uh it's all good. If it's not if it, if it's not liking it today, I'll just read it for everybody. Matthew fifteen thirty four says And Jesus said to them, How many loaves do you have? Oh my god. They said seven and a few small fish.
1: <laughs> they got a few small fish, Kevin.
0: That's <laughs> that's so this is an example of one. It's not Robbie Lee said out of context, it's not only read out that of, again. Yeah. So Matthew fifteen thirty four says, and Jesus said to them, how many loaves do you have? They said seven and a few small fish.
1: Okay. So that's an example of what we were kind of talking about earlier is that they said they're being lumped together. Yeah. It's not like the group said, said, and I, I don't, I don't know the, the full context yeah. or anything, but that's just one of the kind of, again, things that the. Yeah, it's a great
0: example. And you, you get used to reading the Bible and you don't notice, but you're like, you don't picture yeah. 12 disciples in unison saying seven, yeah. And a few small fish: like, So
1: they, they didn't even get the they missed they didn't even get the
0: quote right. So And the reason I included that example is not just to make fun of it. It's truly just to say when you see something like that, you really need to start by being like, does it even is, like check just the check verses to see Go read the verses that they off. reference. Now, in this case, um, similar to the point you made about the last one, the intended meaning, with very basic interpretation of that command, which is from Exodus, not from Matthew 1534. Uh-huh. And what Jesus is saying about how He's come to set people at variance—it's um, kind of similar to a uh, another verse where Jesus says, um, "You know, you have to hate even your yeah. mother and your father." And um, those—that does not mean a contradict—that doesn't present a contradictory teaching no. to the teachings of Exodus. What's what would you well, say well, is the a couple, couple of things? First, Jesus wants you the, ten
1: com- the fifth command. You are to honor your mother and father. That is a good thing. Honor your mother and father. However, if there was something that would um, make you love them or honor them above God, then there obviously is some type of problem. Um, additionally, there's also in the Bible kind of exaggerated rhetorical language where, as you said, you must hate your mother and father to come after me. What it's trying to do is say the love at which you love God should be to such an intense degree that by comparison, it looks as if you hate your mother and right. father, but it doesn't want you to hate your mother and father. Um, but there may be an instance where you'd have to divide from family members if they are somehow challenging you in your relationship with God, because there's, there's a hier- there's a hierarchy of commands and you are to right. honor mom and dad, but you are chiefly to honor God. Yeah. So and by the way,
0: the book of Exodus would also express similar ideas. Yeah. Meaning, it's not a contradiction even within Exodus where that command is initially given. So it's not just like Jesus is coming out and contradicting Exodus like that. Both of those ideas are present in Exodus. Yeah. So there's
1: two ways with multi, like two ways out of this. One, it's ex- exaggerated rhetorical language to say you're supposed to love to such a degree that it looks as hatred compared to that. And it could be just telling you straight up, no, if if there are things that get in the way, you need to to honor God first and foremost. Yeah,
0: great, great example. Now, next, we don't have a meme for this one, but it's a common one that comes out, and there's a bunch of examples, so we can just kind of talk about them without looking at them, but it has to do with disagreement about like specific details of a situation, and usually, a lot of the time, they're numbers of things. Yeah. So, um, the number of loaves and fishes, for example, in that story. Um, things like... Are there, is there one angel at the tomb or are there two angels at the tomb when the women come and yeah. find the tomb empty? Um, another one is when Jesus confronts a demon-possessed man on the kind of Gentile side of the Sea of Galilee. One gospel account says there's one. One gospel account says there's two. Or it doesn't even say there's one. It just mentions one. And the other yes. one specifically mentions two. And so there's a lot of this kind of stuff. And, and the short answer to this is kind of comes in that word compression. And yeah. so... I've talked about this before already but the idea is that these authors are getting the meaning of the story across and they're using different amounts of specific detail depending on mm-hmm. their specific aim most of those cases present not even not most of them all of them present not contradictions but differences and those differences are basically chalked up to compression how i'm choosing to tell the story and um so it's not like you know there couldn't have been two in the other Gospels account. They're just choo- He's choosing to identify the speaker only yeah, and not and give you all the it, detail.
1: It, in modern culture, again, when we're like, a crime has occurred. It's like, well, we have to have these details just right. And if there's anything, that's just different. So here, here's an example. I'll, I'll make up one right now. Kevin, get back on the headphones. Okay, Stan, you stay right there because I'm going to need you. But step aside a little bit. Just take some steps. Okay. I could be recalling what happened on this evening, on the fateful evening of October, whatever it is. Seventh. Seventh. We could say it was the greatest of all theology Thursdays. Kevin was on the ones and twos as usual. Now go to Kevin. Stan, I told you to st- take us just a little bit of step aside. Okay? <laughs> You're always trying to get in the camera. You ruined my illustration. Kevin's on the ones and twos. Okay? Yes. He's on, he's, he's on the control. See, everyone, look, he's got the headphones with the little cord. Um, if he presses the button, the camera will switch to us. Now, it's also true that we said at the beginning of the show that we have two people on the ones and twos. Yeah. Now, technically, Stan isn't controlling anything. No. But he's present. You may tell this same story about, yeah, it was great. Uh, now, go back there. <laughs> Stan, you can't, you can't. Man, come on. <laughs> Now, go back to the shot. When Sam tells the story, he may say, Kevin and Sam... No, don't... You guys.
0: <laughs> they, they don't got those, man. They don't see where you're going with this at all. I want you to, just for your encouragement, I know what you're it's trying to
1: do. It's clear as day, man.
0: <laughs> the, point the point is, point is I could tell the story. You can tell
1: the story, and Stan is right there in the background with him, and in your version of the story, you focus on the fact that both Kevin and Stan were working technology that yeah. evening. And, there's and even both ver- would be true.
0: There's even a version of it where Stan tomorrow is talking. So you said, yeah, Kevin did a great job on the ones and twos. Tomorrow, Stan's talking to somebody and he goes, oh yeah, I pressed the button to make that bird noise. And someone goes, wait, what the heck? Isaac said Kevin yeah. did it. Now that's not a big deal, but they go, that's a contradiction. It's not a contradiction. Yes. And then if you were to get my third account of that story, and I said, yeah, it was a great night. We had Kevin and Stan. And in spite of that, everything was great. Yeah. People would know. Oh, okay. That's the. This is a Bible term, but that's the harmonization of the stories. Yes,
1: exactly. And that that actually, despite these two guys,
0: it's a great example.
1: Um, (laughs) that that's a lot of what happens is, uh, in one gospel account you get the the conversation focusing on one demon possessed person, that doesn't negate the fact that there might have been his homeboy who lived out in the tombs with him on the side. Yeah. He wasn't an active participant in the conversation. Every so often he might've interjected here and there, but he wasn't the dominant conversation partner. So that one gospel just reports the one and doesn't report the second. That is not misleading or twisting the truth or a contradiction, but often with our kind of modern assumptions and what we're expecting them to do, it can appear like that. But in yeah. reality, it's just not the case.
0: No, the next one is really similar and it's a actually throw up meme for Kev. This is another um, example of a, a slightly more complex version of the same thing. This text is small, so I'll read it to you, but it says Bible contradictions. Number two, we sk- we only use this one from them because this is the only one that was yeah, frankly worth, worth talking bad, about. Yeah. Um, and the question is what did the women do after visiting Jesus tomb? This is actually a very good one, especially if you're not familiar with how the literature is supposed yeah. to work. And so it says, it quotes Matthew 28, which says the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy. And ran to tell his disciples. So answer one is they run and tell the disciples. Answer two, given by Mark in Mark chapter 16 is, Trembling and bewildered, the women went out and fled from the tomb. They said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. So you go, wait, hold on. One says they're so scared that they didn't tell anybody. The other one says they were scared, but they were excited, and they went and told the disciples. Yes. Which one's true? This is another example of what we call compression. Where yeah. and Mark is Mark is known for compressing things because he's a he's a kind of abbreviated gospel. He does everything a little quicker. And I'll give I'll give another kind of an analogous. I got a good one. Yeah. Oh, give it. Can do I it. do it? Absolutely. Is it, does so, it involve them having to yeah, play act no, anything? It does.
1: It Involves both of them again. You get another try. What, no. It's just it's gonna, They're on the outside right now. Tomorrow morning, because they couldn't keep keep it together and get their act together on Theology Thursday, I tell you both, Kevin. And Stan will be fired by the end of the week.
0: And now it's that, definitely and true. Now it's
1: definitely going to happen. <laughs> um, and that so and then you are so sad mm. that you don't tell anybody because it's going to break your heart.
0: I, I didn't really. tell anybody because I was so upset. He
1: was so upset. Couldn't even talk about it. And that's one account of it. But then there's another account that. Uh, from a different perspective, from someone at your house, let's let's say your wife, um, and she says, uh, "Sam kept quiet his secret all day, and the first thing he couldn't wait to tell me when he walked through the door was the firing of his friends." Right. Both can be true. One is one is giving you an extra detail that doesn't contradict the other, and one focuses on the fact that you couldn't tell anybody.
0: Yeah. The
1: other one says, "Up until a point."
0: Yeah, and that's a good example too, because it might be that one telling of the story is meant to emphasize how sad I was and the other one is meant to emphasize how much I confide in my wife and trust my wife. Yes. And so both of them would emphasize those points differently for different purposes. I mean, you could think, we do this, we do this what kind of thing. Example? My example would be, it was just a hypothetical I thought of that, say I go out to dinner with my wife. Mm-hmm. This, is not, this is sadly not a true story. Go out to dinner with like my because wife. Because
1: the other one is.
0: Yeah. The that, one that, I just
1: used was, is based on it's, a future true st-
0: The only, there's something false about it though, which is the part where I'm super sad. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) And where you don't tell anybody. So imagine I go out to dinner with my wife and while I'm sitting at the table, three guys who represent the restaurant come up and say, you are our 10,000th customer. And so you get a $500 gift card. Give me a $500 gift card. Sweet. That'd be awesome. So the next day I'm walking past you in the hallway at work and I just go, dude, last night I I got a, a dude gave me a $500 gift card at the restaurant. You're like, sweet. In that version of the story, one guy came up and gave me a $500 gift card. Later on, I'm at lunch with Kevin. I'm buying him a conciliatory lunch because he got fired. Yeah. Using part of my gift card. Thank you. And I go, dude, you know how I got this gift card? I was here with my wife. Three guys come up to the table. Yeah. Now, at that point, someone who heard both stories go, hold on a second. Wait a
1: second. Was it,
0: you only said one person gave you a gift card when you were talking to Isaac. Yeah. The point is that we we are so familiar with this level of kind of compression, selection of details to emphasize different aspects of a story. Yeah. And um, the reason why we're belaboring this is because I would personally say that the vast majority of scary looking supposed contradictions can be chalked up to this. Yeah. Even ones much harder to reconcile than the ones we're looking at. It's it's a matter of the gospel authors are taking true stories, true teachings of Jesus, and they are selecting parts to emphasize they,
1: they have different points of emphasis on purpose yeah that's why they're different gospels
0: and not only is that not like bad it wouldn't have even been considered weird in this form of storytelling no one thought it was contradictory yeah, the early church is reading all of these gospels and they're not freaked out by this stuff i um, it's this is the way that the literature yeah. was done it's,
1: it's because part of it is we believe the bible to be the word of god so we think like well if it's the word of god it's going to have like with precision detail all of it but it's, it's like they're leaving out tons of stuff yeah tons of stuff i mean stuff like a, a for for instance when peter's giving the sermon that we just talked about it's probably this long yeah. sermon we I'd don't love know to have the Pe- whole thing people might have been raising their hands or or having issues we we just don't know but it, it gets the intended meaning across and so like as you said the uh, uh it's not that there's not hard passages there are but a big chunk of this stuff can be, can be understood once you kind of get these principles. Yeah. Now, here's
0: another one that happens. And this, this one has to do with things that look like contradictions because of a lack of understanding of either something theological or something with the kind of way the Bible itself mm-hmm. works in, a, in terms of the theology. So pull up uh, number three, Kev. Meme number three. Meme three. Come on down. Now, Meme 3 is actually not a meme. This is just a clipping I took from an article of contradictions. And um, this is is one where on the surface, if you don't understand how this works, looks like a straight-up complete contradiction. So it says, who should the disciples convert? At the end of the gospel story, Jesus has risen and is giving the disciples their final instructions. This is from Matthew 28, the Great Commission. It says, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Make disciples of all nations. This is the familiar Great Commission, and it's a lot more generous than what has been called the Lesser Commission that appears earlier in the same gospel. Then he quotes from Matthew ten, which says, "These twelve Jesus sent out with the following instructions: Do not go among the Gentiles or enter any town of the Samaritans. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel."
1: That's from a legit website.
0: Yes, and that was the best one. So, now (laughs) you're making fun of it, rightfully to some extent. But to be fair, if you don't understand how the Bible works, how the gospels work. You go, wait a second in the same book, there's something saying go to all nations and Jesus saying only go to the Jewish people and don't go to the Gentiles. What's the deal with that? And so this is just a fundamental misunderstanding of what you're even reading. This isn't a book of instruction manuals for how to do missions. This is the story which flows in a specific order on purpose. Yeah. um, And those two situations are not the same. So in, in Matthew chapter 10, Jesus is sending out his 12 disciples only, not the entirety of, of Christians or the church. And it's, it's for a specific mission during his life on earth. Jesus has not died and resurrected yet. He has, he's just sending them out in a kind of preparatory way, giving the sort of like, almost like right of first refusal to the Jewish people to, Hey, the Messiah is here. Kingdom of heaven's here. Act accordingly. In the great commission, the situation has changed completely. Jesus has died and resurrected. He's about to ascend and he's telling the entire church.
1: We're a very um, kind of legal-based document culture. I mean, the founding of our our nation, you think about the constitution and <clears throat> like founding documents to us as a people. There's like rules and rights. Um, and it's like, no, look it up. Look what it says. That's what it says. And this right. is, so that, that's how we are kind of fundamentally shaped. Um, we don't, ha- it's not a narrative that's, that's, that's the founding kind of document. So um, we approach things often like that rather than understanding as a story. So for example, um, the hobbits should never, ever, ever leave the Shire. But right. if they have to go to destroy the one ring, they better then you better go form that fellowship and get that up. Um, a deacon like Ignacio should never practice lucha libre. He, he should, should never be a wrestler. But when you got to provide for the orphans, you go fight Ramses. I'm a little concerned right now.
0: Hey, well timed. You have totally redeemed yourself. Well done.
1: So I mean, it, that's why I was kind of shaking my head. I'm not trying to be a hater, but yeah. it's like, dude,
0: dude, read the read the story
1: and read any story. And once you understand the
0: the gospels are a story, then that stuff gets clear. There's up. also something here that's that's equally ridiculous, which is that to suppose that these authors who are demonstrably brilliant in terms of their organization and storytelling yeah. would just completely contradict a fundamental message like that within the same book yeah. is insulting. It's like, have some respect for the literature. Like this is Matthew's gospel. He's not going to like, oh, dang it. I forgot that I said that the message is only for the Jewish people yeah. earlier. Yes. Um, so, so some of those things are just, they're not, even they're not they're not only not contradictions, they're not even differences. It's just a misunderstanding. And you see you see quite a few things like that. Now, um, in the interest of time, we could do this all day. We're going to jump to meme six. This is my favorite meme in terms of its actual meme construction. This, this displays someone who actually understands how memes work, which I appreciate. We do. Now, this is Judas Iscariot, and he's trying to choose between three buttons. Button one says, hang yourself. Button two says, fall to death. Button three says, trip on a field and let your guts burst out of your stomach. What, what, is, <laughs> what does that mean? Yeah, mean? first,
1: that's pretty confusing. So there's different reasons listed or, or different ways listed of how Judas actually died. And it gets into the, where he died, the field, and why it's called that. Um, but essentially, you have one idea of him falling and his guts exploding out of him. Yeah. And the other main one is he hung himself.
0: Yeah, I can read him if you want. Oh, yeah. Let's so Matthew seven three says, Then when Judas, his betrayer, saw that Jesus was condemned, he changed his mind and brought back the 30 pieces of silver. Let me skip down a little bit. Um, Throwing down the pieces of silver into the temple, he departed and he went and hanged himself. Now, it goes on to say that the chief priests don't know what to use that money for because it's kind of tainted by the situation, which is ironic because they paid it to to kill Jesus. Um, but they take counsel and they buy a field with that money. Now in acts one, we get a parallel account of that story, which looks like a contradiction. Where does it say this in acts one bailing you guys? I thought it was early. Oh, here we, here we go. Now this man this is talking about Judas acquired a field with the reward of his wickedness and falling headlong. He burst open in the middle and all his bowels gushed out. So it's pretty Why? gross. So that's what the, what that's getting at is like th- those sound like completely different death stories. Mm-hmm. Now what's, what's the way of kind of reconciling this? I don't know. I guess it's all fake. Stan. What's, do you know all the buttons uh, happen? That's, All buttons is a good answer.
1: (laughs) Dude, that actually is, is a legit way. So one, one Mm. of the ways you resolve it um, is, and it makes more sense once you go over, go over to like Israel and you kind of see the land and stuff like that is that uh, uh, there's a possibility Judas hung himself um, and he's left up there to die. He doesn't have assistance. He's doing this by, by himself. um, And after, after he commits suicide, a branch breaks, the rope becomes undone, anything could happen. He most likely was on the edge of a, of a cliff and threw himself over as he hung himself, and then he has a greater fall, and there's some type of disembowelment of some sort. Yeah,
0: yeah and I mean, that's, that's honestly, this is kind of presented as one of the biggest gotchas a lot of the time, it yeah. seems to me, and um, I, I kind of don't get it, because they do read a little bit differently, but, they're, but both of them have this purchasing of the field, with blood money um both of them have judas dying and frankly in my opinion the idea what you just sketched that judas hangs himself and then somehow his body falls and bursts open Mm -hmm. is actually a lot more plausible than like the reading that would say well ax says he's just walking in the field and falls and explodes when he (laughs) when he lands like exactly right that's a stranger reading then the it would
1: sound super bizarre. Yeah, he tripped and the fall was so bad he exploded type type of thing. So and that, that's like that is, that is one of the harder ones. And again, just to show you to, to Stan's point, sometimes it's actually no, take all of them as true and then this composite picture begins to to emerge.
0: Yeah, it's a composite picture that makes sense. And again, when you're thinking about the way that these stories are told in terms of kind of getting the point across and potentially compressing and arranging things in a literary way, I don't think you have to read that Matthew account as you know the sequences that okay, well, the sentences are ordered this way, so that means that Judas went out and hung himself, and then the high, the priest used the money to buy the field, et cetera et cetera like that that sequence isn't required by yeah. the way the story is told, and so it's entirely possible that the field was purchased before that, and that that's where Judas hung himself, um which would also on a human level completely make sense, yeah. Be, that that would be where he would go to do that um, now we have other examples uh, but we're out of time May. believe it or not and uh, maybe we'll do a couple more at um, yeah Joseph throws in as well um, all buttons I like all buttons as the I was impressed answer.
1: Stan Yeah, did that- I get my job back for that or is that is kind of too late <laughs> Either way, it's fine. I'm glad both of you are laughing and enjoying yourselves. (laughs) No, it's good. Glad you guys are having a good time.
0: Having a good old time, aren't you, too? Did you do the bird thing again while I was talking? He did. Now, here's the thing. So we will, um, with our Q&A episode in two weeks, we'll take, if if you guys submit some other ones that you're interested in having us kind of walk through the solutions, we'd love to get them. And um, if we have time, we can maybe do some of the other ones that we were planning on talking about tonight. uh, Because
1: there are, in one sense, not if you're looking for them, you're going to see that stuff in a lot of places. You should expect that to be the case. You have four different accounts of the life of Jesus. Yeah. And if they're being written in this manner, you should expect to see that. Absolutely. And so, uh, let us know some of the ones you guys have noticed reading the Bible. Yeah. And, and confusing, bothering.
0: The biggest takeaway here is that the more you understand the Bible and how it works, the less likely you are to get thrown off by this kind of thing when you see it. Um, and so understanding just the simple facts, like Isaac just said, there's four gospel authors who are telling the same story, but with very intentional different areas of emphasis, mm-hmm. different focuses. And, um, and yeah, so the more you understand that, the more kind of comfortable you are and you don't feel freaked out the minute you see something that, that, that looks kind of off or something, yep. just dig into them. Um, there is not a contradiction that I've ever come across in all my time studying scripture, that has ever made me go like, "Well, none of this is true. I got to throw my hands up and give it up." So, yeah. dig into it. Don't run away from it. And we will see you next week. He's gonna do the bird thing. He didn't. Hey,
1: stand. Take stick your hands Take your hands off of it. Where's Where's Giannis when you need him? Minute.